Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PyTorch Dev Podcast. Today, I want to talk about reduced precision floating point formats, namely Float 16, aka Half Precision, and BFloat 16, Brain Floating Point. Float 16 and BFloat 16 are important alternative precisions for floating point numbers as opposed to the ordinary 32-bit floating point representation, which are often used in deep learning applications to speed up computation um, in cases where the extra precision afforded by 32-bit floating point numbers is not necessary. I'm not really going to have time to give you a complete lowdown about everything there is to know about IEEE floating point numbers or how these formats are set up, but I do want to give a little bit of a working knowledge about some of the important points of floating point formats and also you know, how they affect how we write code inside PyTorch. Because something that you very often have to do, for example, when you're writing a kernel, is you'll write a normal implementation, the normal mathematical way for 32-bit floating point and for 64-bit floating point. But then for half precision, you need to do something special. And we'll talk about why you often need to do something special in these situations and what kinds of things you have to pay attention to so to start off, let's talk a little bit about floating point numbers, what they are, to understand why half precision does something a little unusual with floating points in normal um, sense. So floating point numbers are a way of representing uh, decimal numbers because if you're you know familiar with normal computation on uh, computers, um, you know we love integers. We use integers to represent everything. But sometimes some things can't really be represented as integers, right? Like numbers with decimals on them, for example. And so the float in floating point numbers refers to the fact that we change the precision by which we're representing numbers depending on how large the number is. To understand what I mean by this, let's think about a situation where you don't care about floating point precision, namely storing currency. So, um, you know, in U.S. dollars, um, you have number of cents and you have number of dollars. So, you know, I may have $10.46. And there's always some amount of cents associated with any number. No matter how big the quantity of dollars I'm talking about, like a million dollars or a billion dollars, um, there still only is ever two decimals of precision that I need to record the number of cents in question. There's never like sub-cent quantities in typical monetary transactions. So this is a prototypical example of a fixed point, uh, fixed point number where you want to fix the decimal point at two, um, you know, two digits of precision, no matter how big the number in question is. Of course, if you're doing something like doing a measurement between how far you are between two uh, cities or, for example, representing a neural activation in a neural network, if your, neural, uh, if, your, if your quantity is in the millions, you don't really care about those two digits of precision after the decimal point. So the idea behind floating point is that you don't have to you know, store um, significant digits based on where the decimal is. You let it float, and you just store a fixed number of significant digits. Um, and just what those digits are depend on how big your number is, right? So if you're talking about a million, then you might store significant digits for the millions, the hundred thousands, the ten thousands. But if you're storing something like one, then you might store the you know, first decimal place and the second decimal place and the third decimal place. It floats along with you when you have the number in question. So given this basic specification of floating point numbers, there are basically two major parameters that you can vary when you're defining a floating point representation, right? You can say how many bits you're going to um, use um, on the significant, aka the like significant digits that are in your um, 
in your uh, number and how many digits you're going to devote to representing the exponent, which basically just says how big the number is, right? Are you talking about ones or thousands or millions or billions? And so we can use this to sort of understand um, what's going on with 32-bit uh, floating point numbers, 16-bit floating point numbers, and also brain floating point, because they all actually have the same semantics, just different settings for these parameters. So the significant for 32-bit floating numbers is 24. So that's a lot of digits of precision. And so one of the um, sort of observations that drives a lower precision floating point is that, well, you don't actually need all those significants. So 16-bit float, floating point numbers only have 11 bits of significant, and bfloat16 only has 7 bits of significant. If we talk about the exponent instead, well, 32-bit floating point numbers have 8 bits of exponent. 16-bit um, floating point numbers reduce the amount of exponent you have, so you only have 5 bits of exponent. And bfloat16 actually keeps the number of bits for the exponent the same as 32-bit floating point numbers. So another way to like think about the difference between float16 and bfloat16 is float16 sort of was like, okay, well, we need to chop off 16 bits from our representation to you know, reduce it in size by half. We're gonna chunk some of it off of the significant, we're gonna chunk some of it off of the exponent, and then you know, we have a nice balance. Bflow16 was like, we want all of the exponent bits. We want the same, what we call dynamic range, the same you know, max and min values we can represent in floating point numbers, and we're willing to chop off tons and tons of actual precision off of the actual like, you know, digits in question, the significant, to get it. So why use half-precision uh, or bfloat16 um, numbers? Well, as I mentioned before, they use half the space of um, memory that a 32-bit floating-point number uses. So this has a number of implications, right? We need to store um, the values of tensors in memory, and so if you can store a number in half the space, well, you've basically doubled the number of parameters you can store in your model. And furthermore, um, you know, not just uh, you can store more uh, numbers in your RAM, but when you're actually like le loading up this data into your um, processors to actually compute on it, well, that's half as much memory bandwidth you need in this situation as well. And oftentimes, one of the primary costs of doing deep learning inference or training is just getting the freaking values out of memory in the first place. And of course, um, if you only need to compute on 16 bits of uh, data instead of 32 bits of data, that means less silicon, and you can, for example, vectorize more easily for the same amount of silicon. Now, it sometimes, you know, the memory benefits, I would say, for half-precision are the primary benefits, and the computation benefits do help sometimes, but also sometimes they happen not to matter. And we'll see an example of this uh, when we talk about CUDA support for half-precision. So let's talk specifically about half precision for a moment. Um, so what are some things to know about when you are writing code that needs to operate in half precision? So one of the like things you first figure out that's very, very obvious is you are way, way, way more likely to overflow your floating point number than if you were doing 32-bit floating point numbers. A float32 can store values up to 10 to the 38th that's 38 zeros after, um, you know, uh, three, um, quantity. I don't even know what quantities can go that high that I normally deal with in a day-to-day -day basis. In contrast, a float 16 can only go up to 65,504. 
That's it. If you go much higher than that, you'll just go to infinity in float 16. So yeah, gotta be super, super careful. Because the dynamic range of half-precision floating point numbers is smaller, when you want to do training with networks um, and you want to use uh, half-precision instead of uh, float 32, you often need to tune your hyperparameters differently because, well, you need to make sure you don't actually go outside of the dynamic range supported by half-precision. One of the most common ways people use half-precision is, in fact, not by making their entire network um, operate only in 16-bit uh, floating-point numbers. That's often just too much. It's like too little precision, and your dynamic range is just going to get messed up in a lot of situations. But instead, by using something called automatic mixed precision, which just says, well, there's some operations that are very unlikely to go outside of the dynamic range you want, and will only cast to uh, float 16 and make use of the benefit, the, the lower memory usage, in those situations. It also helps that automatic mixed precision is super easy to use. You literally write your network as if you were writing it for 32-bit floating-point numbers, and then you just turn on a switch that like automatically switches it without you having to do anything. Half-precision has been around for a while, and it's been available in, especially in NVIDIA um, CUDA. There's actually really no silicon for doing half-precision computations on uh, Intel CPUs. And so you're most likely to see use of half-precision um, inside CUDA programs. But actually, there's a little bit of nuance to this, which is that you might imagine that, like, you know, you put your tensors in half-precision, and then you do operations on them, and you'd expect to see, you know, actual, like, half-precision silicon being used. But in fact, in PyTorch, we don't use any of CUDA's half-precision intrinsics, which would let you actually use the half-precision operations directly in the hardware. Instead, we... Um, convert everything into floating point numbers and do the, uh, do the computations at higher precision. Why do we do this? Well, it's because for many of our operations that we implemented for half precision, they are in fact not compute bound, they're bandwidth bound. Um, we spend more time reading the data out from memory than we do actually doing the computation on it. And in these situations, it doesn't matter if we waste time doing conversions to and back from uh, floating point uh, because uh, you know, we're still waiting on the next block of memory. And so we can just you know, do things in higher precision. And so a lot of computations in CUDA operate at this higher precision internally, only converting back to float 16 when you need to write it out back out into memory. And remember, this is still a win because you're using half as much memory, using half as much memory bandwidth. So what you would typically ex expect is for a computation on half precision to be twice as fast as a computation in 32-bit precision, and that's just because you're literally reading out half as much memory. That being said, in some situations, you are somewhat compute-bound. Um, a good example of this is when you're doing matrix multiplies. And so when you do matrix multiplies, in fact, um, there is this thing called uh, TF32 that um, uh, uh, newer NVIDIA GPUs implement where they do the multiplies in matrix multiplies at an internal format. And in fact, they don't do it in uh, half precision. They do it in a special precision that is 11 significant digits and eight exponents, sort of like a combo of float 16's uh, precision and uh, B float 16's dynamic range. And this happens entirely internally. So you don't, you don't see it. You're just feeding in float 32s and getting out float 32s. But it makes things run faster, and you know you hope that the numerics don't change too much. So to summarize, 
have precision, the uh, dynamic range is way, way small. So you're mostly likely to see um, people converting to half precision at very you know, localized spots in their code where they know they don't actually need that level of dynamic range. And you mostly only ever see half precision in CUDA on NVIDIA GPUs. Okay, let's talk a little bit about bfloat16. So as I said, bfloat16 is they just took float32, chopped off enough significant digits until they um, you know, could fit in 16 bits, and they kept exactly the same dynamic range. So um, float 16, uh, bfloat16 is actually very easy to emulate, right? Because you can use normal 32-bit uh, floating point hardware to run it. You just you know, sort of zero out all of the um, digits that are below the level of precision that bfloat16 would have given you, and then just run the normal float32. So people did a number of experiments with it and showed, hey, uh, you know, bfloat16 is great because um, you know, we got rid of all of those you know, pesky, like, you know, very fine de uh, detailed digits in the numbers, and it turns out it didn't matter at all. Like, you know, our model still converged because we weren't actually making use of that precision in any good way. And so bfloat16 has shown up in a lot of places. Um, true to its name, Brain uh, Floating Point, um, it was originally designed by folks at Google for use inside the TPU. But um, since then, um, it's shown up in a lot of places, in particular on um, the latest Intel uh, CPUs, um, starting with Xeon, um, there's actually silicon for doing bfloat16. So unlike half-precision, which only ever usually shows up in CUDA, bfloat16 shows up in a lot of places. It shows up in TPUs. It also shows up on your CPU. So if you're probably looking for some lower precision training, uh, it's probably going to be bfloat16. In fact, um, Intel has been working with us to extend automatic mixed precision to support bfloat16. So um, uh, originally, AMP was something developed by NVIDIA for CUDA only for half precision, and Intel's um, you know given us a patch that turns it on for CPU um, and does exactly the same thing except using bfloat16 instead of half precision. Unlike in um, uh, in the CUDA situation where we were typically memory bound, we are often compute bound on CPU. And so um, sort of uh, the silicon we're using um, is in the AVX512, um, you know, vector instruction set. See also my, you know, previous podcast about vectorization. And there's just, you know, a lot of built-in uh, support for actually doing these computations fast. Okay, so I've told you a lot of facts about uh, Float16 and bfloat16. What does this matter if you're doing code in PyTorch? Well, it mostly only matters if you're writing kernels. And um, so when we write kernels in PyTorch, we typically try to write it in a generic way that works for any um, any uh, type in question, right? So typically it's templated so that you can do it in float and you can do it in double. And for most use cases, um, float versus double doesn't really matter. Um, you can write the same algorithm in all of these cases. But when you have uh, float16 or bfloat16, now you actually have to pay attention to how you're doing your internal computations. And in fact, we have two concepts uh, for like basically internal computation types, which are important when like you know using the low precision floating point would result in catastrophic loss of precision, and you would basically get wrong results. So the first concept is the act type um, uh, uh, template, a ACC underscore type. What this does is it gives you an accumulator type corresponding to the um, uh, 
number in question. So for example, if I had int 8, the act type of int 8 is int 64, because if I'm, you know, summing together a bunch of 8-bit integers, I will very quickly overflow 8 bits. And so we, we do the accumulation in 64 bits so that we can actually, you know, get the real value in the situation. Similar, similarly, when we do accumulations on uh, half-precision floating-point numbers, we need to accumulate them in 32-bit floating-point because, as I said, you're really likely to overflow 65,000 if you don't actually do this at a higher precision. Um, this is very, very common, right? Like I mentioned matrix multiply using this TF32 thing. They only do that for multiplies. The accumulate still happens in 32-bit floating points. So like the, 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 the idea of needing to accumulate at a higher precision is common all over the place. We, we, don't, we don't accumulate in double precision for float uh, on uh, CUDA because double hardware is really, really slow. But in fact, on CPU, we still we, act type goes to double in this situation. The other concept we have is opmath, and that just says what the internal computation type we're going to do. And this takes advantage of the fact that on CUDA, we're typically uh, memory-bound, not compute-bound. So in fact, most of our internal operations happen in floating-point precision. And this is good for um, precision purposes because uh, if you do all your internal computation in 32-bit floating and only convert to 16-bit floating at the end, you're not going to have as many, like, you know, sort of... Uh, catastrophic cancellation or loss of precision events um, from every intermediate operation in question. Of course, if you're running enough operations, you might still want to do them in half precision because you might be compute bound in that situation. So that's most of everything that I wanted to talk about with half precision. Um, there's one last thing that I want to um, put in your brain, which is that um, reducing the number of significant bits or exponent bits is not the only way to um, you know, sort of reduce the amount of memory that your parameters use. There's another way you can do it, which is you can represent your parameters as integers entirely. Um, and that's called quantization. And it's another very interesting way to reduce the memory footprint and compute uh, costs of your models. That's everything I wanted to talk about today. Talk to you next time.